Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the Wrestling Outsiders podcast, I am your host, the one and only Emerson Whitner, joined as always by my co-host, the man who weighs 500 pounds plus, minus 10 pounds, my brother, Brian Whitner. Brian, how are you doing this evening? I, I was doing good until you just insulted my weight. I said minus about 10 pounds. I don't weigh over 500 pounds. I don't weigh over 300 pounds. Well... How else would I be able to use my Art Donovan drop of how much is this fellow weigh if I don't tell people you weigh 500 pounds plus? And I say, oh, he's a big boy. Oh, boy. There's something wrong with you. No, there's something wrong with you, Brian. That's why you had to lose about oh, 10 yeah. pounds. Anyway. That's it is. Welcome to a, a brand new era on the WOP. Welcome to Talk Shoe, Brian. Yes, welcome to the shoe of the talk. Do you ever feel like you're almost saying with a lisp when you say talk shoe? Like you're supposed to say talk I, show, but like you're not? Shoe. Yes. Yeah, yeah kind of. Uh, so we might as well start off with some programming uh, notes. As many of you saw... Uh, tomorrow night, in a special edition of the Wrestling Outsiders podcast, I am scheduled to be joined for a, for a live interview, quote-unquote live, with Tough Enough contestant Chelsea Green. Well, I don't know if she's just heard my last ten weeks of rants about Tough Enough, but it is very difficult to get that poor woman uh, on the phone. So... Hopefully, we'll have an interview up with her later this later on tomorrow, 
If not, keep checking back during the week, not just here on TalkShoe.com, but check out my Facebook page, check out Brian's Twitter, where he still has our old website listed, and uh, we'll let you know the status of that interview. So, Brian, that brings me to the next question. That brings me to the next question. When are you going to... Already off on a good start here. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. When are you going to edit? Oh, for the love of fucking person. Brian, edit your Twitter. Okay. <laughs> Along with Facebook? Or did you already do that one? <laughs> well, I think I did it on Facebook. It, but, yeah. In my, in my defense, you also have the Twitter password, too, so you can always go on there and edit it yourself. In my defense, it's your Twitter. You edit it your fucking self. It's edited on my Twitter. At the, it's our Twitter. At the it's really... It's the podcast is Twitter. I don't have a Twitter. Podcasts. Is, is, at the really real EW is my Twitter, and that has um, our, our current website on it. And our Twitter is at WO Podcast. But you know what? It happens. Yes. Oh, God. So, uh, in addition to our hopeful interview with Chelsea later on this week, next Wednesday night, hopefully back in our regular time slot, Brian, uh, we will be. It's your fault. It's the end of the. I've been burned out for the last, like, week. I didn't tell you to be burned out. But either way, Brian, it's the end of the summer, and so we've got to do another Summer Slam. And thanks to Brian's choosing, uh, we're going to be reviewing Summer Slam 1993 with Yokozuna and Lex Luger. Yeah, where I remember three matches from that show. What are the three matches? That one. I think it was Razor versus Ted DiBiase and DiBiase's last match. Yep. The one of his last matches. And I think Brett versus Doink. There you go. That's three. I think there's there no, I think there's nine matches on the show. Oh, and Taker, Taker versus Giant Gonzalez, I think, in a Rest in Peace match. Yes, which, we, one. which we actually reviewed on our 50th episode. But there de- God. But guess what, Brian? We're going to review <laughs> it again. We're, we're going to review it again. And something tells me the match hasn't changed much in the last 22 years. Yeah, I don't think it has either, but we'll watch it and see. So, Bash at the Beach, Brian. Yeah. This was a show. Atrocious? Yes, yes, no, no, yeah, yeah. I don't know if atrocious is the right word. I thought... You know, parts of the show were quite good, including the main event, but everything was overbooked bullshit, and it became well known for something that had nothing to do with, well, like, really any of the matches. I mean, I guess it had something to do with a match, but I don't really count it. Uh, of course, talking about the Hulk Hogan lawsuit on Vince Russo, Time Warner, WCW, a lawsuit that went on long enough that when Hulk Hogan was negotiating to go to TNA back in 2004, he got Vince Russo fired from TNA 
uh, because he wouldn't come in if Russo was still working there. Because they were still... Yeah. Uh, so let's get on to this show, Brian. The cat, uh, the cat. Oh, by the way, here's what you need to know about how the show ends up with a lot of these results. WCW was being sued for racial discrimination, uh, saying that you know their uh, minority performers were treated as jokes and weren't given a chance to really get over. So in this match, we had, or in this show, we had the babyface black commissioner, the babyface Hispanic cruiserweight champion, the black world champion. And then Stevie Ray became a commentator like two weeks later. Uh, that that one, you know, of all the things WCW did, they had to put Stevie Ray in commentary. Nothing else to do. There's no other there's no other black announcer out there that they couldn't have brought in. So anyway, not with the voice of Stevie Ray. So anyway, I mean, he was the voice of Saturday Night. So anyway, if you want to know part of the reason why WCW was being sued for racial discrimination, Ice Train was his limo driver. If you don't remember Ice Train, he was a big 350-pound black man. And his wrestling skill was such that him being Ernest Miller's limo driver was really the best use of his talent. And, of course, the cat, the whole point of this, and this was the only time Ice Train was on the show, thank God, uh, but the cat told Ice Train to go tell MIA and Filthy Animals to not interfere in the Cruiserweight title match. That's very important to remember. Uh, But after Ice Train left, what happened, Brian? Everyone interfered. We had the first of many appearances of the Young Dragons Dong. And the Young Dragons were Kaz Hayashi, an actual Japanese wrestler, uh, Jimmy Yang, an actual Japanese wrestler, and Jamie Noble, who was not Japanese, but they put him under a mask and told us he was Japanese. Of course. Yes. Um, and they all, for some reason, and this went on throughout the show, for some reason, they all attack the cat, and but it's okay because they're all midgets, so cat beat them up quite easily. Go figure. We got our first. We then went for our first match, the aforementioned cruiserweight title match, with Lieutenant Loco, who's Chavo Guerrero Jr. versus Juventud Guerrera. Uh, Hoovy came out with the title, even though Chavo was the champion. Uh, just for historical purposes, the filthy animals at this point were the drugged-out Juventud Guerrera, the injured Conan, the injured Rey Mysterio Jr., Tigress, and the Disco Inferno. Because, you know, it's funny to have this white guy pretending to be a rapper in with all these blacks and Hispanics. It is very funny. Yes. The Misfits in Action, the MIA, th- th- this is like a story in itself. You had Hugh Morris, Bill DeMott as General Erection. You had Tylene Buck as Major Guns. Chavo, as we mentioned, was Lieutenant Loco. Lash LaRue was Corporal Cajun. And in the backstory to end all backstories, 
Van Hammer was Major Stash. Do you know why he was made? Do you know why he was Major Stash, Brian? I have no idea. Well, originally he was going to be Private Stash. It's supposed to be an inside term because you know he used to smoke the doobie. He had a private stash. Yeah. Well, I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Van Hammer went to Vince Russo and complained that he was the lowest ranked member of MIA because he was only a private. So they had to give him a uh, promotion to major. Go figure. <laughs> oh, God. Only in WCW, right? Yep, only in WCW. And we had, a first, uh, we had our first uh, accidental beep of the show just now. I didn't hear anything, so... Uh, but despite being banned from ringside, all the extras are around the ring, so we took five minutes of the show telling everyone to leave. Mark Madden was exceptionally obnoxious on this show, constantly referring to the title as the juicer weight title. I know Bobby Heenan was really phoning it in, and to be honest, was a horrible announcer living off his reputation, but Mark Madden is the schmo who replaced him. Just... So everyone knows. And I'm still trying to figure out... But have you watched, did you watch NXT this week? I did not. Your boys... I apologize. I want to point out, your boys in a main event, teaming with Neville, you know, long, uh, who I think is the longest reigning NXT champion ever, and in a tag team tournament against Chad Gable and Jason Jordan, and he lost for the team. Oh? Exactly. Your boy Solomon Crow, and uh, by the way, did you wish him a happy birthday yesterday? I, I did not. I apologize. Well, the reason why I bring this up about NXT is Corey Graves is the worst fucking announcer ever. Well, yeah. Like, oh my god, he is so obnoxious, it's not even funny. He, he tries to be the heel announcer, and he feels miserably. Like, Byron Saxon's not on NXT. I don't know if he's just not going to be on there anymore because he's now doing Raw uh, permanently. But, um, you know, it used to become a running joke that depending on the match, Byron Saxon would be the babyface announcer uh, and Corey Graves would be the heel announcer. And then the next match, they would switch spots. Which was just... But now that Byron Saxon hasn't been on NXT the last three weeks... Corey Graves is just the obnoxious heel commentator the entire time. Makes sense to me. Uh, but if you ignore the announcing, back to Bash of the Beach, if you ignore the announcing, uh, this opener match was pretty good and the fans were into it. Um, of course, we couldn't just have a good match. We had to have stupid shit involving all the extras. The filthy animals tried sneaking out wearing Halloween masks. Uh, they came out and were immediately taken to the back. And so the MIA then came out wearing masks for some reason. And while and they were coming in through the crowd. So while that was happening, the referees were going over to eject them. Because what the hell is the point of the masks? Major Guns just yeah. sauntered down the aisle and took her shirt off. Which, by the way, wasn't even the finish. Uh, Chavo and Hoovy wrestled more. And Chavo eventually won with the Tornado DDT. I want to point out, Chavo Guerrero and Juventud Guerrero could have had a really great match in their sleep. So, of course, WCW, Vince Russo, 
couldn't even do that. No, of course not. We went to the back. Go figure. The cat has finally made it to his locker room. And of course... The young dragon showed up, and the cat told them to told them to knock it the fuck off. That would be nice. Yes, um, and of course WCW once again being sued for racial discrimination. So the Japanese wrestlers, including Jamie Noble, didn't speak English and didn't understand that the cat was telling them to knock it the fuck off. <laughs> if that's not enough. Okay. If that's not enough, WCW World Champion Jeff Jarrett stormed in with a fat woman and demanded to know why Hogan wasn't in the building. Sorry, Jeff. Like, seriously. Like, this really happened. Like, TNA, and you know, we're going to talk about TNA later tonight because there's some stuff I want to talk about with that. But, you know... I don't know who's done stupider shit, WCW or TNA. Good question. That's the top one. Big Vito came out to defend the hardcore title. When this match was booked, he was defending against former par- former partner Johnny the Bull. Unfortunately, Johnny the Bull's a fucking moron, and he did he wrestled Terry Funk on Nitro, and in a very famous spot. He did a springboard leg drop out of the ring, crashing ass first on the out, crashing ass first on the concrete floor outside the ring. And Johnny the Bull broke his ass. Literally. Yes. If that's not enough, Terry Funk was supposed to be his replacement. However, in the same match where Johnny broke his ass, and in fact, in the same move where Johnny broke his ass. Terry Funk also got injured. <laughs> so, instead, thankfully it wasn't the Young Dragons. Instead, Screaming Norman Smiley and Ralphus got used. Oh, boy. I'll say this about Vito. Vito killed himself to get this gimmick over. Because they changed his gimmick from being the stereotypic Italian... And now he's this hardcore warrior, and he uh, busted his ass to try to get it over. Too bad his good friend, for over, for like a decade at this point, Vince Russo, took it from him a few weeks later. Yeah. And, and I'm serious when I say they've been friends for a long time. They were friends in like 1991-92, and Vito actually trained Vince Russo to be a wrestler. Go figure. Yes. Anyway, back to this actual match. There have been worse matches. And I know people will be surprised to hear this, but when Norman was wrestling, it was a fine match. And when Ralphus was wrestling, it was the worst shit you've ever seen on television. <laughs> Go figure. Just want to point out, Ralphus like, isn't like some indie guy that they found that they thought would be funny. Ralphus was a real-life WCW crew member that Jericho uh, used to be his personal security for a few months. And Vince Russo thought it was so funny that even though he didn't have Chris Jericho, he had to have Ralphus. Yes. And I think 
I think this was Ralphus's retirement match. Uh, Vito won after putting Ralphus through the table. And unless I'm mistaken, I don't believe Ralphus was ever used again. Sad. Yes. Kevin Nash told Mean Gene that he plans on beating Goldberg to get Scott Hall back. Sadly, his interview was not interrupted by the Young Dragons. Because, you know, this... I'll wait for it. Yes. Uh, honestly, I think it would have made the interview better. Uh, we then got the first ever wedding gown match with Daphne and Miss Hancock. Miss Hancock being Stacy Keebler. I want to point out they were fighting over David Flair. Yeah, it's weird. And in real life, Stacy Keebler has. This is like a trio, like I can't even believe. Stacy Kugler in real life has dated David Flair, Test, and George Clooney. It, it's like just the weirdest trio of people you've ever seen, and they've all dated Stacy Kugler. Sadly, we're not dating Stacey Keebler, Brian, so we've got to talk about this match. Mark Johnson and David Flair both lost their pants in this match. That's true. For some reason, by the way, Mark Johnson, the referee, in case you don't know who we're talking about, the referee, Mark Johnson, who had his referee shirt tucked into and through his tidy whities I don't even want to know. But A, I don't even know why he did it, but B... How? Like it wasn't just like yes. it was just like he tucked it in. They were coming at the bottom. <laughs> anyway, good times. So Crowbar ran down and just took his pants off. I wish I were making this up at this point. Actually, I don't wish I was making this up. And finally, Miss Hancock decided that. You know, everyone's not paying attention to her, and it was time to lose. So she ripped the skirt off of her dress and was declared the loser. Which led to the highlight of the match, in that Stacey Kubler looks really good in her underwear. Yeah. And then they all had a food. Yeah. Then they all had a food fight with a giant wedding cake that I'm sure WCW paid hundreds of dollars to have made, if not close to a thousand. This really happened, and by the way, on this show, uh, the following people did not wrestle. Billy Kidman, Lance Storm, Three Count, and the Young Dragons all did not wrestle on this show. But instead, we got Daphne versus Miss Hancock. Classic match. So the cat's walking backstage... And is going over a list of people to wrestle Jeff Jarrett in case Hogan doesn't show up. And one of them was Ox Baker. When all of a sudden... I'm getting better on that one, huh? Um, You are. You are. Yes, the Young Dragons were there. And I'm not saying the Young Dragons ran up and attacked the cat. I'm not saying they they were, like, stalking him. They were hiding in the trash bin, except for, I think it was Jimmy Yang, 
who was so skinny, he was hiding behind the broom, and I didn't even notice he was hiding behind the broom. Really? I noticed that either. <laughs> I'm just like, oh crap, there's Jimmy Yang. Hiding behind the broom. Attaboy. Bite me. World Tag Team Titles on the line, Brian. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, before we get to that, the cake that they uh, f- uh, had a food fight with in the last match, it took them a good five minutes to clean that all up. <laughs> it reminded me of Slammiversary this year when uh, TNA had audio problems and we just saw a long shot of the ring for like five minutes because, you know, they couldn't get their shit straightened out. So after that, after they finally clean, after they finally cleaned up that fucking cake, and they were cleaning up with bottles of water, by the way, because they didn't have any other water nearby. Uh, we had the perfect event: Sean Stasiak and Chuck Palumbo versus Chronic, Brian Adams and Brian Clark. Uh, the prior Wednesday on Thunder, they did an angle where Stasiak and Palumbo were locked in their tanning beds. And it caused them to be sunburned all over their bodies. Now, Brian, this it was Wednesday when this happened, and this show happened on Sunday. Did you notice either of them with leftover sunburn all over their body? Nope. In fact, they didn't. They had a nice, even tan all over their body. I saw that. Yeah. I want to point out, Chronic may have been really shitty, and they were, especially Brian Adams, but they were over. And yeah. I think that has a lot to do with the fact that Vince Russo apparently forgot they existed. So they were able to uh, get over without being involved in shitty writing. And that lasted until August because Vince realized in August that they existed. And he spent two months uh, writing for them. And it caused them to never be over ever again. Go figure. Uh, the storyline uh, also was that uh, Stasek and Palumbo were pussy champions who not only lucked into the belt, but they lucked into constantly retaining the titles despite never winning a match, and Chronic were the dominant challengers. So after all that, Perfect Event were looked to book strong in this match. Chronic battled back and won the straps. Adams lifted Stasek up for a powerbomb, and Clark came off with a clothesline off the top for the win. And this was one of, like, I think this might have been the only match that didn't end it with complete bullshit. I believe right on that one. We'll go through it, but I wrote down it was the only match without bullshit, but uh, I think somewhere along the line there might have been another match, but we'll get to it if there was. Okay. Huh. So the cat's backstage on the phone when... I'm not making any of this up, okay? <laughs> but, no, you are not. But the dong sounded, but instead of the young dragon showing up, Jeff Jarrett came in with his fat lady and complained more about Hogan and then left. And then once Jeff Jarrett left... <laughs> the young dragon's dong played again. And the young dragons ran in and actually got to beat up the cat this time with a kendo stick. Oh, 
I feel like I had too much fun out of it. Dun, dun, dun. Actually, sadly, I think that's the last time Young Dragons are on the show. I, I believe you're right. <laughs> sadly. Then we got a match that I probably should be more angry at, but I'm sure I'll complain about it enough. Positively Canyon versus Booker T. If there's one thing Vince Russo likes, it's having mid-carters use gimmicks that main eventers have used. Like Stone Cold Shark Boy and Black Machismo and now Positively Canyon, who was literally just Canyon pretending to be Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page, by the way, they did the same angle with him on three pay-per-views in a row where he was betrayed by his best friend. First time by Kimberly, then by David Arquette, then by Canyon. In successive pay-per-views. And I want to point out, I don't know why I thought WWE had rights to all this music, but WWE Network does not play DDP's uh, rip-off of Smell Like Teen Spirits on the network at all during any DDP match. However, there is one point in this in the entire network that they have DDP's actual theme on, Brian. And it's here for Positively Canyon. Brian, are you there? Oh, great. I'm should probably let me know when you're going on mute or whatever. So this... I'm sorry. No, you're not. You're right, I'm not. <sighs> you're absolutely right, Emerson. I am not sorry. Mark Manning at one point said that he and Booker don't walk on the same side of the street. I don't know what that was supposed to mean. I don't know if it was supposed to mean that... Madden. Yeah, that Mark Madden is more affluent than Booker... Or that Booker's a face. I'm going to give Mark Madden the benefit of the doubt and assume he's not talking about Booker T being black and him being white. I hope not. Yes. Uh, Booker T, of course, like we mentioned, would end the show as world champion. So, of course, he did the job here in this match. And nice guy that he is. Before someone brings up well, Emerson, at WrestleMania 10, Owen Hart beat Bret Hart, and then Bret Hart won the world title. Well, two problems with that. First of all, this match was not Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. This was not an epic, memorable, five-star wrestling match that people are still talking about 21 years later. Not even close. No. Most people... I didn't know this match happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if I didn't know... If I didn't know the whole retarded... Uh, background of the match. Hey. I never would have. Uh... Edward. From now on, Edward. wait till wait till I finish the sentence before cutting me off. Sorry. Because now I'm going to say it again. <sighs> Actually, now I've lost my train of thought. By the way, not only did Canyon, you know, and Booker not have a five star match that people remember decades later. Kenny never even got a world title shot at Booker T after this. And he pinned the champion cleanly, the world of future champion. Uh, no, well, uh, Canyon took Booker T, or Booker T, Canyon took 
DDP's book, Positively Page, ripped out a bunch of pages and shoved a brick in there. So, of course, Booker, uh, being the smart babyface, went over and took the brick out. Now, Brian, I don't know when the last time you lifted up a brick was, but those things can be heavy. I love that. Yeah. So, I think Canyon probably should have noticed when he went to try to use it as a foreign object that, hey, the giant brick is no longer in this book. But instead, not only did he hit Booker with the book that didn't have a brick in it, Booker then sold for it. Go figure. Yes. And the the audience, just confused as everyone else was, didn't even react to Booker being the smart babyface since he took a bump for it and took a near three count off of the bump off of the book that was pretty much hollow inside. Booker made, yeah, Booker made his comeback and had the match won when Jeff Jarrett, for no reason whatsoever, ran down and hit Booker with the guitar. Somehow, the referee, who had his back turned when Jarrett ran down, didn't see guitar laying all over the ring. And they were blind at that time, remember? Yes. Canyon then hit the canyon cutter and got the win. Yeah. You know what I have to say about uh, this match, Brian? Some of the fans' uh, dissension mm-hmm. via fire Russo chants mm-hmm. were for angles that you had developed. Well, you know my my answer to that. I love it. Bullshit. 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 The last rights match between the Bills and Sting. Bullshit. Bullshit. I had nothing to do with that, and they were shouting his phone that night. Bullshit. Bullshit. Now he may have went back and told Dixie, "Oh, Dixie, bullshit." Bullshit. I didn't book that. That was Dutch. He booked that. Listen, bullshit. Bullshit. Nobody has ever said, fire Dutch, fire Dutch. Bullshit. Bullshit. Fire Dutch, fire Dutch on anything I ever booked. Bullshit. Bullshit. Vince, I love you, buddy, and you take credit for everything. Bullshit. Bullshit. But you got to take credit for the bullshit you booked. Bullshit. Bullshit. It was bullshit, Brian. Yes. So, have you had anything to say about any of our matches so far? I have. I felt. I felt the chronic match was a very good one. It was. Uh, I feel it was one of the better matches of the night. I don't really say that that often about tag team matches, but yeah, I felt it was a very good one. You know, you are allowed to state your opinion every so often, Brian. We have an entire I segment. Say my opinion. Well. Yes, but you can stop me before I go to the next match and say... Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. How about Booker and Candy? Do you have anything to say about that? It, I, I, I'm shocked that Candy actually won a match. <laughs> uh, well, by the way, you know what the follow-up to this was, right? <laughs> Booker T winning the world title? No, no, no. The follow-up for Canyon. Oh, God, no. What? Well, Canyon, you know, did not decide, you know what... I pinned him, I won a world title shot. Canyon instead decided that he wanted Judy Bagwell, Buff Bagwell's mother, since Canyon is now Diamond Dallas Page, he wanted Judy Bagwell to be his Kimberly. Kind of creepy. And to make it even better, Vince Russo was going to book that finish. 
that can that Judy Bagwell was going to turn on Buff and become uh, Canyon's valet. Mm. However, uh, Buff Bagwell basically flipped out and was like, "Do you really want my mother to be your fucking valet?" And not only did Canyon lose the match where he was going to have Judy become his Kimberly, but Canyon then wasn't seen on WCW television until February. Go figure. Oh, Vince Russo. Attaboy, Veniro. Attaboy. Not, not that Bagwell's career was much better. He then feuded with David Flair. Yeah, go figure. Yes. What, what, what do you think would be worse, Brian? Being taken off television entirely or feuding with David Flair? Uh, probably feuding with David Flair. Feuding with David Flair or having to pretend Judy Bagwell is as hot and sexy as Kimberly Page? Do you really want me to answer that question? Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're into that kind of thing. I don't know. No, I'm not. It's- that actually brings that actually brings us to the next segment when Mike Awesome was backstage hitting on Jeff Jarrett's fat lady. Go figure. Mike Awesome, the uh, big giant nasty heel who uh, had broken Canyon's back allegedly and done all this heinous shit, is now going to be a comedy guy and he's gonna date three hundred pound women. It's actually hilarious to think about it. Like, this is around the time when Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff had their power struggle, and Brad Siegel decided to give Vince Russo uh, full power to book anything he wanted. I feel that that was not the best idea. Like, let's be honest. This pay-per-view that we're reviewing right now, and at best, it's a thumbs-in-the-middle show, maybe even leaning up if you enjoy, you know, the shoot nature and the surprise element of Booker coming out with the title when he wasn't supposed to, you know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe up. This is the the next show that was even remotely in the same league was Sin, which was, mind you, Sin was a whole lot better. But it was six months later, and an entirely new booking committee by then. Held WCW had yeah WCW had pretty much been sold the next time they had a pay per view as good or better than this. Hmm. Go figure. Yes. So that brings us to the U.S. title match: Scott Steiner versus Mike Awesome. Scott Steiner was suspended. Scott Steiner was suspended in real life. For an altercation uh, where he threatened to beat up Terry Taylor and also threatened on TV to do some very bad things to Kimberly Page. And his reward uh, was a paid suspension over the 4th of July weekend. And by the way, Kimberly Page at that point quit the company and never came back. No figure. Yes. Can you blame the woman? Yeah, Scott Steiner, U.S. champion, uh, by the way, in a marathon reign under Vince Russo. This was, I think, July 9th was this pay-per-view. 
and Scott Center have been U.S. champions since April 16th. And in the meantime, the world title has changed hands eight or nine times. The tech. That is pretty impressive for Russo. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think Vince Russo was too afraid to ask him to do a job. And. <laughs> Probably. And I'll be honest. Scott, you're going to do a job, but. Never mind, Scott. I'll kick your fucking ass. Oh, God. And actually, Steiner, you know, for all of his faults, and he has some faults, he was actually booked fairly strong, you know, this whole time. Like, I don't think, like, he did the one job in New Blood Rising, but other than that, he didn't do a single pay-per-view job from, well, he was injured too for part of it, but let's just say Vince Russo came back in April, and he did that one pay-per-view job, and that was it. For the rest of WCW's tenure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, but back to this match. This match was actually really, really good and really, really fun. My pick for best match of the night um, until the real shitty finish. Yeah. Um, they just had a wild, out of control brawl between two people who don't mind punching each other as hard as they can. Of um, and the cat, who had been the babyface commissioner for the first 90 minutes of the match, or the first 90 minutes of the show, like, as much as I like this match, if we want 90 minutes, yeah, no. Uh, the cat came down, and the Steiner recliner was banned for whatever reason. Uh, so every time Scott went for it, the cat would announce that if he put it on, he would be stripped of the U.S. title and be disqualified. Um, at one point, the cat actually interfered. But Scott knocked him the fuck out. Um, Go figure. And then Steiner uh, put the uh, Steiner recliner on. Awesome. Cat disqualified him and stripped him of the title. The announcers debated whether or not this meant Awesome was now the champion. For sake of argument, he's not the new champion. Uh, he was. No, he was offered the title the next night, but his babyface turn was saying he wanted to earn the belt in the ring. I I would I would I would just be given the title. <laughs> you would give me a title? Sure, I'll take it. No problem. Thank you, sir. Have a great night. <laughs> Remember that list of people I said weren't wrestling on the show? Yes, yes. Oh, by the way, do you have anything to say about Steiner and Awesome? I, it was a fairly good match. I I personally want to put it as match of the night. It's up there, but I want to put it up that that high. Well, there weren't exactly too many uh, contenders for best match of the night. No, no. Of course not, but I want to put this match up there. <sighs> so, f- once again, no Landstorm, no Billy Kidman, no three count, no Young Dragons actually in a match. However, up next, Graveyard Match. Vampiro versus <clears throat> the Demon. With Asia... No. Person, I think. No. No. Asia was with Ric Flair, actually. Uh, A- Asia was. Asia was the nurse when they did the angle where Ric Flair got sent to an insane asylum. Uh, 
And so, yeah, she quit her job as a nurse and became Dale Torborg's wife. And Dale Torborg, by the way, now a hitting coach uh, for, I think, the Chicago White Sox. I believe you're right, yes. Yeah. I don't know if he still has it. He did do it before because that's when uh, TNA brought him in a few times. But this match took place in an actual graveyard. And the winner had to leave the graveyard and return to the arena, which in in theory was several miles away. Charles Robinson, by the way, was the referee for this. I should have noted, like, I should have tried to take notice to see if Charles Robinson refereed any other match. Because, in theory, you know, he was out at a graveyard all night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But anyway, this was a shitty match. You could barely see what was happening. I mean... I mean, literally, you saw shadows moving around, and... Sound effects happening. Uh, Demon got thrown into an open grave. And so Vampiro dragged Asia to a nearby lake. Vampiro then hid in the water and waited for the demon to arrive. What if the demon never came out? Like, this... I've asked this question like five times in the same match. Like, Vampiro went and hid after knocking out the demon. Why didn't he just leave the bloody area and just end the damn match? I don't know, but instead he started to hide no. in the lake. Uh, yeah, go yeah. So while Vampire was hiding in the lake, uh, the demon then woke up, ran, stumbled over to the lake. By the way, I should point out, Vampiro told Asia to stay with Charles Robinson, or Charles Ro- told Charles Robinson to stay with Asia, and Charles Robinson just said fuck that in like five seconds. Uh, Pretty much. So... Demon went to the lake where Asia was un- allegedly unconscious, laying outside the lake. And so Vampiro, like Batista one time came out of the Louisville River, Vampiro came out of the river and dragged the demon down into the water, in theory trying to kill him. Yes! V- Vampiro got out of the lake and dragged Asia away again. Why is he doing this and not just trying to leave and win the match? If that's not enough, Charles Robinson then had to play Charles Robinson then had to play lifeguard and drag the demon out of the lake. So this match could continue. And Vampiro then decided to hide in a coffin. What if the demon Heaven forbid would have drowned and never come out of the lake. Would the would Vampiro still be hiding in that coffin to this day, wait with Asia laying on the ground next to him, waiting for the demon to come out and attack him? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. That'd be serious. So like I said, Vampiro was hiding in the coffin. Why? So when Dale Torborg came over to check on his wife. Vampiro could pop out of the coffin and spray Hawaiian punch in his eyes. Oh, that, that must be some case for the investigators. Oh. <laughs> Arrest him. Vampiro then gave uh, the demon a chance to join him, and the demon uh, chose to not join him 
So Vampiro knocked him out with the tombstone. Not a pile driver. What? He hit him with the plaster tombstone. <laughs> and if that wasn't enough, you know, because it oh, never is, Vampiro then put the demon in, a, in the coffin, rolled it into the grave, and then threw a torch into the grave. Finally, after all that, Vampiro stumbled away. And that still was not the actual end of the match. No, of course not. Oh my god. Hell of a match. This. Like, it's no wonder why the demon, like, just went into baseball and ran as far away as he could from wrestling. So I forgot to mention this. Juventud Guerrera called himself the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. Shane Douglas cut a promo next uh, where he said that he's going to beat Buff Bagwell because he's that damn good. Unfortunately, we did not see a promo where someone called themselves The Game. Because I, I was figuring that was next. Uh, so we got Buff Bagwell versus Shane Douglas. I thought it was going to be Shane Douglas versus Billy Kidman, but that wasn't until the next month. Um, but this match sucked, and then Tor- and then nice. and then Tori Wilson came out. Before this angle happened, you know what the original plan for Tori Wilson was, and I'm not making this up. It's actually funny considering the problems he later had. She was supposed to end up being Hulk Hogan's lover. Interesting. Yes. And I'll point out, Tori Wilson was last seen dumping Kidman and walking off on television with Horace Hogan, and Horace Hogan had since been fired. Yes. We, of course, got a pointless swerve as she slapped Shane, but that was just there so she could end up screwing Bagwell. She kicked Buff in the balls. Yeah, she kicked Buff in the balls, and Shane Douglas gave him uh, the Pittsburgh plunge, and that wasn't even the finish because Buff then kicked out. So Tori turning heel after turning face wasn't the finish. Instead, uh, Buff climbs the ropes and shoves Tori Wilson on her face, and Shane then hit the weird jawbreaker thing he used for a while, and one with a handful of tights. Yeah. Um. Okay, big big deep breath, because the fun part's about to happen. Well, actually, part, okay. part one of the fun part's about to happen, so... WCW title on the line. Yes, Hulk Hogan's actually here. I don't know what the hell the point of that angle was, but, you know, Hogan was there the whole time. Jeff Jarrett versus Hulk Hogan for the WCW world title, and Jeff Jarrett walks out with Vince Russo. Russo, by the way, had left the company after the Great American Bash because he wasn't getting his way, and so while he was gone, the office booked... A pretty decent three weeks of television. 
including taking Booker T. And th this is funny because he brings up how he came back for Booker and loves Booker. Uh, Vince Russo made him GI bro. And as soon as Russo left, the first thing that the new creative team did was change him back into Booker T. Just pointing that out. Yeah. So Vince Russo's returned here at Bash of the Beach because he still likes getting paid above all else. And uh, we'll, we'll get into the specifics of what the storyline was and what eventually happened. We'll get into that here in a few minutes. Actually, after the final match, we'll do that. But here's what happened on television. Jared walked out with Vince Russo. Hogan came out. Uh, Russo then ordered Jared to lay down and let Hogan pin him. Hogan got on the mic and said that this company's in the state it is because of bullshit like this. And then pinned Jarrett and won the title. And Hulk Hogan took the brand new WCW title belt that they just had made for like $25,000 or however much it costs to make these belts. They're not cheap to make them. And they gave him the brand new title belt, the unbroken one. And he left, uh, he left the, the arena and etc. And then... As Hogan's leaving, and Hogan's leaving, by the way, with his son, Nick, and Eric Bischoff, who was just in a feud on TV with, was there with him too, but that was just to prove that this was real. So he was leaving with his friend, Eric Bischoff. Vampiro walked, returned to the arena at this point, uh, and like I said, walked by Hogan and Bischoff leaving, which, by the way, is the last time Hogan ever appeared on WCW television. Uh, he walked to the ring. Trivia and was... trivia in ten years. Yes, <laughs> fourteen, fifteen, actually. Uh, okay. Vampiro walked to the ring and was declared the winner of the graveyard match. He cut a promo talking about both the demon and Sting. So Sting returned and kicked his ass. Uh, men in cl yeah, men in cloaks and Sting masks carried a coffin to the ring, and Sting was in the coffin wearing a Sting mask. The angle was that. After losing the Human Torch match where he was lit on fire, uh, Sting, Sting's face was all scarred up, so he had to wear a mask. But the problem is, they had to stop that uh, angle like a few weeks later because because he was wearing a mask, no one thought it was actually Sting. Go figure. So, anything you want to say about this match, Brian? About the last... The, the graveyard match or the Hogan Jarrett match? Pretty much any of that. Graveyard, Jarrett uh, match, Douglas match. I mean, it was just a whole bunch of BS. W series, like I said earlier, W series going down. And I think this is just the beginning of the end, if it wasn't clearly before. So, yeah. So then Vince Russo came back out. And he cut the promo. And I could sit here, Brian, and Brian can sit here, Emerson, and we could talk about, you know, what he said and how he said it and blah, 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 blah. But you know what's better than that, Brian? Listening to it. Yes. So take a deep seat. Right, sorry, take a deep seat because it's 5 minutes 53 seconds. There's only one way for me to do this, and that's for me to tell it like it is. Here we go. All right, we need to hear this. Let's lay out. 
know, three weeks ago, I left WCW. There will 
shall be a new WCW belt. And as far as I'm concerned, that belt still belongs to the one guy that busts his ass week in and week out in the middle of this ring. And you people can love him and hate him, but he doesn't screw anybody back there, and that's Jeff Jarrett. Now hold on a minute. Jeff Jarrett is still the official WCW champion, but he will defend that title in this ring tonight. defend that title against the son of a bitch back there who for 14 years has been busting his ass in WCW and can't get a goddamn break because of the Hulk Hogan. And I'm talking about Booker T. Jeff Jarrett are the two reasons why I'm in this damn stinking business to begin with. So tonight in this ring, for the WCW title, two deserving guys, Jarrett and Booker, will compete for the WCW and they'll tear this goddamn out now. And Hogan, you big bald son of a bitch, kiss my ass! Yeah. Brian, he's still over there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I was taking it off the phone. Yeah. So, that was the promo. Uh, to, sum, to sum it up, uh, Russo announced Jarrett's still the champion and will defend against Booker T tonight. Without the way, we go to the next match. For Scott Hall's magic contract with Goldberg and Kevin Nash. This is the contract that Goldberg would rip up, eat it, throw it in the trash, crinkle it up, and basically run it through the mud. And then it would show up on the next show in one piece in pristine condition. Well, there's this thing called a printer, which then they just print out new copies of it. Well... It was still ridiculous. This match went a whopping five minutes, Brian. Uh, they telegraphed the finish when Nash was taking the slowest walk ever to the ring, and he asked Scott Steiner for some reason to watch his back. And Steiner was making out with somebody or doing something back there, just being Scott Steiner. So they had a bad match. Uh, Scott Center came out and to the shock of nobody attacked Kevin Nash. But it's okay because Nash made his own comeback on Steiner. Uh, Goldberg then speared and jackhammered Nash for the win in a horrible, horrible match. Horrible. Booker T, who you is... You and I just went on a better match. I think we have. Uh, probably. Probably. Booker T, who... No, our, our wrestling shows are a little rough. But I feel like we could we would put one over that still. Yes. We'd put the butts in the seats. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we would. So Booker T, who at this point's 0-1 for the night, challenging Jeff Jarrett for the WCW world title. And this was a good main event. Yes. 
Not their best match by any stretch of the imagination, but good nonetheless, and in my mind was the second best match on the show. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This was this was a Jeff Jarrett world title match. If you watched anything in TNA from 2002 to 2006, you saw them 50 times. You had your crowd brawling, you had guitars, you had chairs, the championship belt, the ref got bumped a few dozen times, and eventually Booker just won with the bookend, much to the delight of the fans who, I don't know, they must have all been aware of the shit that was going to happen because every Booker T fan in the world all showed up for this show. <laughs> I believe that. And what, what title did they have? Did Toby walk out of the building with the title? What title did they get Booker T? They gave him the broken WCW title that they had for years, uh, and they had replaced a few months earlier. Okay. But you have to have it laying around. Well, th- that's what we're going to get into here in a minute. Uh, so, okay. so is there anything else you want to say about uh, the show, Brian? Hell of a main event. I think it. I think it might have saved it. So you said before that you didn't think Steiner and Austin was the best match, and you agreed with me when I said Jared and Booker was the second best match. So with that in mind, what do you think the best match was? I really liked. I mean, the, I mean, Jared and Booker T was probably the best match. But I would have to give it the second to Chronic and uh, the Stasiak and Palumbo. Interesting. I enjoyed that match thoroughly. Interesting. Yeah. So, Brian, I don't see that that much about tag team matches, but I thoroughly enjoyed that. Okay. Well, we've been going at it for over an hour now, so I want to. I still want to talk about some other stuff. So I'll get. I'll go through the Hogan, Russo, Bischoff, Jarrett thing. Now, first of all, yeah. First of all, you can pretty much say Jeff Jarrett and Booker T, while they were kind of aware because, you know, they were. They were kind of aware that something was going to happen. For all intents and purposes, this has nothing to do with those two, except that those were the two that had to wrestle at the end of the night. So what happened was, and this has been backed up in Hogan's book, Bischoff's book, and Russo's book up to a certain point, uh, what happened was that they all came originally to the agreement that Jeff Jarrett was going to win, and it was going to be due to interference in the heel turn of Scott Steiner. Steiner's going to turn heel in this match and not the Nash match. Um, and he's going to lay Hogan out, and Hogan's going to be taken out in the stretcher, uh, and then Hogan wanted to know what was going to happen next. And Russo hemmed and hawed because he didn't really want to do anything with Hogan after this point. Um, and basically said, well, I have no real plans for you, but, you know, go home for a little bit and, you know, we'll come up with something and come back to do. And so that's when Hogan put his foot down and did the, you know, know what we're going to do because Hogan was, you know, Hogan knew Russo wanted him gone and figured that the only way to guarantee he'd have to come back was if he took the world title with him. So Hogan put his foot down and said that, no, he's going to beat Jarrett for the world title. And this led to hours of discussion over what the finish of the match is actually going to be. Blah, 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 blah. Um, And then they finally, after a while discussing it, they came to an agreement that what would happen was what you saw there, that 
Jarrett would walk out, lay down, Hogan would take the title and go off TV for about three or four months. And in that three yeah, or four yeah. in that three or four months, they would build up the world title as something special again. Uh, in Bischoff's book, he said that the idea was that they were going to do a tournament uh, to culminate at Halloween Havoc, and then Steiner was going to win, and that's when Hogan came out with the title, and those two would then feud over who was the real champion. The problem with that, and you know, it made eventually Steiner was just going to win the world title, and that's how Halloween Havoc was going to end with Hogan coming out and confronting Steiner, who the real champion is. But uh, the problem with that is it was pretty much well known uh, within the industry and within WCW that the end of the show was going to be Booker T as a world champion. But, you know, we can ignore that whole little thing, but that's the reason why there were two titles there. And it I, I can't say it was in the script for the final match with Jared and Booker, but it was well known. Jared and Booker was going to be the last match, and Booker was winning the world title. Uh, Makes sense. However, you know, and the ther- and the whole storyline was, you know, Hogan was just going to leave with Bischoff to show that it's real, uh, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then Russo was going to cut his promo to set up the uh, last match. However, Vince Russo went way off kilter on this one uh you heard it we played the whole thing for everyone and hulk hogan became very offended by this uh specifically the part where we called him a big bald son of a bitch that was one that really stuck in hogan's craw um and that hogan um and russo said in his book that you know part of it too was that he didn't call hogan the next day like he promised to uh, because yeah. he, because uh, Brad Siegel told him not to because they were paying Hogan too much money. And that was the thing. They were paying Hogan too much money, but that's, you know, prior regime's fault. And he still had a contract. But uh, so Hogan got pissed, uh, saw that promo, got even more pissed. And then he didn't hear back from Russo and then decided to that this was not just a wrestling storyline anymore. He was... He felt that he was literally disparaged on live television, which you can say he was, and sued Vince Russo, AOL Time Warner, etc. And just as a reminder, that they do not have uh, fake lawsuits in a real court. Like, they're not, like, a lawyer can be disbarred if he were to take a wrestling angle into real court like that. So, and that. And, like, Hogan sued him, like, three weeks after this happened. Like, it wasn't even... They didn't even get to the next pay-per-view before Hogan had filed the lawsuit. So... Are surprised by that? No, but, you know, just... It is what it is. True. Um, and so, obviously, Hogan never came back with the world title. To, uh, and for all I know, he still is the one who possesses the... Uh, brand new WCW title belt that they created um, and paid for. Uh, by the way, you know what? how much Hogan was paid per pay-per-view? Probably like 50000 Oh, God, no. Finish. No, 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 no. He was paid... 250000 As a minimum per pay-per-view. And it would go up if they reached certain buy rate uh, goals... 
he would receive $750,000 per pay-per-view. And to give you an idea, buy rates had plummeted to the point that they weren't even making $750,000 on the pay-per-view revenue. Yeah. So if you want if you want to know why TNA was able to survive for so long, you know, with you know, with horrendous buy rates even worse than WCW's, it's because they didn't do stupid things like pay Hogan three quarters of a million dollars per pay per view match. So that's that. So Brian, anything else you want to say about Bash at the Beach and this whole situation? Okay. Yeah, that's some pay-per-view. That's all I gotta say. So I want to take a deep breath here, uh, and you know, kids kids are going back to school this week. Your kid just went, uh, started school last week, Brian. Yeah. And you know, in a few years, uh, Noah's going to be hearing about sex education, and so we here at the Wrestling Outsiders podcast are going to debut a brand new segment tonight, where Pam Stenzel is going to chime in with her thoughts on sex education. Let's go to that right now. There's a line over which you can't step. Absolutely no genital contact of any kind. That's hand to genital, mouth to genital, genital to genital. Oral sex, which is mouth to genital, is sex. And if you have ever stepped over this line, you've risked disease and you need to get tested. And don't you dare, don't you dare tell anyone you're a virgin. Thank you, Pam Stenzel. Thank you, Pam. (laughs) Oh, God. Wow. Yes. She uh, is brought around to different schools all around the U.S. to tell the kids about sex education. (laughs) <laughs> all right so we got to start winding this thing down here but first brian we got to do my favorite segment and you know what it is That's right. That, and that music is playing. It can only mean one thing, Brian. It's time for Brian Whitner's opinion. Now, Brian, I've said to make things. I've said to make things a little easier on you tonight. You know, nor- normally I would sit here and harass you for an opinion, but I've decided to. I've decided to uh, pick something out of the wrestling news for you to have an opinion on. Now this has been a bit uh-huh. this has been a big week for wrestling news, including Bram being suspended and arrested after uh, 
you know, spousal abuse, and Jimmy Snuka being charged with a murder from 32 years ago, and Hogan apologizing on ABC for his racial tirade, and then of course the sh- yeah, and the shooting at the NXT Performance Center. You know, you heard that one, right? Yes, yes. Well, Brian. And that's with Lita. Yeah, Lita, and before he was wasn't do- even there. Was she even yeah. at the NXT building that day? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But uh, but the opinion I'm going to be asking you about, Brian, is some late-breaking news. Uh, Brie and Nikki Bella are going to have a new stepdaddy. Huh. And Daniel Bryan, by default, is going to have a new stepfather-in-law. Huh. Have you seen who it is yet? No. Well, I'm going to play his theme music. I want to see how long it takes you to figure it out. And <laughs> I swear to God, this is true. But it sounds so hilarious. This man is going to be date is going to be marrying Bree and Nikki Bella's mom. Here we go. You know who it is yet? I'll give you a hint. <clears throat> he was after one thing and one thing only. Let me, let me uh, clear my throat here. People power! Oh, dear God. So, Bree and Nikki Bella's mom is going to be marrying the former Executive Vice President of Talent Relations and former General Manager of both Raw and SmackDown, Mr. John Laurinaitis. Brian, no, I'm not. Oh dear God, Brian, what is your opinion on this? Speechless. I'm not paying you to be speechless, Brian. You don't pay me at all. I don't fire you for being. I don't keep you on board because you're speechless, Brian. of the family reunion where you not only have Johnny Ace, Daniel Bryan, the Bella Twins, and John Cena, you're also going to have Road Warrior Animal, his son who plays... Yeah, his son who plays for the St. Louis Rams. Or at least he used to. I don't know if he still plays for them. Yeah, he still does. Yeah. So yeah. He's injured every other year, but yeah, he still plays for their hands. <laughs> That is the Laurenitis family reunion. Laurenitis Bella family reunion. Laurenitis Bella Brian Cena family reunion. Oh my God! I, I don't. Even I, want... I, I would be a fly on that wall. I'm like, I, I, I would somehow get invited to this reunion. I just remember the story of how Johnny Ace hired Kelly Kelly and Alicia Fox. You know that story, right? I am 
Well, I think everyone knows this, but John Laurinaitis, I swear to God, I'm not making this up, was looking through a lingerie magazine and saw the two women who would eventually become Kelly Kelly and Alicia Fox and hired them to be wrestlers. I did hear this story before. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know what to say, Brian. What about you? Uh, I said my piece. I, I want to be at that family reunion. <laughs> I want to be invited to the or wedding. I want to dinner. I want to go to or the wedding. Why on the wall? All right, so Brian, we're going to wrap things up. We had a hell of a first uh, show here on Talk Shoe. Yes. And we'll be back next. We'll be back. We'll be back next week with our review of uh, SummerSlam 93. I almost forgot what we were reviewing next week. And uh, until then, you have anything to say to the people? Thank you for listening, folks. Have a great night. Bienvenuto. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.